You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. Interstate Batteries offers a wide variety of batteries for your everyday needs. Stop into one of their thousands of retail locations and talk with a battery specialist about batteries for your truck, trail cameras, and even those weird batteries for your rangefinder. Interstate Batteries even offers cell phone repair in certain locations. For more information, visit interstatebatteries.com. Interstate Batteries, outrageously dependable. Mike check one two three here we go ladies and gentlemen this is the first episode of 2023 hopefully you guys are done with Christmas hopefully you've you've rang in the new year the way that you're supposed to uh, ring it in however that it was or is uh, I'm done with Christmases I'm done with holiday parties now it's time to focus put all that to the side it's time to get to work um, let's see January is kind of a, a crazy month because there's some trade shows that happen that I go to and uh, so that takes like a week multiple weeks to invest into the trade shows and then really what I do is I come back to work in February and uh, it's it's business in January, but it's work, the actual work in February. So I'm going to be putting out some content here in February as well, but, but I'm really excited about 2023 because I'm going to be doing some stuff and I think I'll share that in another, excuse me, in another episode, but I'm going to be doing some really, in my opinion, first of its kind type stuff on YouTube and here on the podcast. And, and really what my ultimate goal is, is just, I don't know why I always think about this, but access routes, wind directions, thermals, cutting the wind, things that are going to allow people to get closer to deer. And really that is what that, that's what it's all about. And so back to my main focus going into 2023, I have some ideas of how I'm going to do that. Talk through these things with people who may be struggling. Talk with uh, through these ideas with people who have found success uh, throughout the years. And so, um, yeah, there's that. Today on the podcast, though, the first one of the year, my network brother, Jeremy Dinsmore from the Antler Up podcast, you know, it, it was, man, I don't even know, it's only, he's only been on the network about three months now, but he is a really good contributor. If you haven't listened to the Antler Up podcast, strongly suggest it. He's based out of Pennsylvania, and it's just a, it's a really good deer hunting outdoor themed podcast. If you like this one, you'll like that one. Uh, and so make sure you give that a listen, but today's a straight up BS session, new year BS session. We talk a little bit about 2022. We talk about 2023. It's kind of a shoot from the hip episodes, but it sounds like that's what you guys like. And so I'm going to give it to you. It's a BS session. Uh, before we get into the episode though, we got to do 
a shout out to all of god damn it this is hilarious i literally just spilled an entire glass of water on my crotch right now in on a chair and i am going to continue to do this intro because i don't want to stop recording and it's cold water and it's on my crotch anyway <laughs> shit <laughs> huge shout out to tethered right if you're looking for a saddle if you're looking for saddle hunting accessories, if you want to learn how to be a saddle hunter, hunter go check out tetherednation.com. Uh, awesome group of people, awesome products. Saddle hunting is not a fad. It's, it's, it's here. And so if you want to learn how to be as mobile as humanly possible with a saddle setup, go check out Tethered. If you're looking for, in my opinion, one of the best designed mechanical and fixed blade broadheads on the market you definitely need to go check out wasparchery.com uh 20% discount code nfc20 um for 20% off huge fan of the three blade um the uh the, the jackhammer three blade i've killed a lot of deer uh with that if you're looking to learn well it's it's a learning tool but it's also like a it's it's a, a tool that you can use all year round, and that's HuntStand, right? And HuntStand is a, a mobile app. It's on your phone and on your desktop. You download it. You log into it. You can e-scout, right? I use it for a lot for e-scouting, for journaling, documenting everything that I see uh, on the landscape, uh, access routes, wind direction, and then they have this brand new pro whitetail platform that they have just recently introduced and it allows you to really look at everything from uh, peak rut dates in certain counties and areas of the state of the states that you want to hunt in to deer movement predictors to weather to um, crop rotation maps all these things that are important to a whitetail hunter and so uh, go check out huntstand.com and read up on all the information they have and last but not least the crew over at vortex optics vortex awesome awesome group of people awesome products if you're looking for a spotting scope a rifle scope a red dot a uh, rangefinder pair of binoculars vortex optics is the optic for the outdoorsman uh, so go check out vortexoptics.com huge fan of those guys huge fan of those guys uh, awesome customer service and read about their vip warranty right all right so here i am soaking wet soaking wet from i mean it's dripping down into my shoes and socks right now so i'm gonna end this intro and just let the episode take care of itself uh Happy New Year to all of you. Hopefully, everything that you uh, expected out of 2020 came to fruition, and uh, and now it's time to start over new and or keep grinding of what you're currently doing. Snowball all that positive energy from 2022 into 2023, and uh, let's get into episode number one of 2023. Enjoy. Three, two, one. All right, my network brother here from the antler up podcast mr jeremy dinsmore jeremy what's up what's going on dan not much man hey a quick question I, and i don't know why uh as i'm walking up to my office i just said to myself out loud i said dinsmore like like <laughs> did you did you have a nickname in high school uh, or college or anything like that yeah i had a couple <laughs> i had uh dins like d-i-n-z that okay. was kind of 
That was that one. Growing up, uh, a lot of people called me Dinzy because I guess my dad had that nickname growing up. So you'd go somewhere in, you know, in your local town and you hear, hey, Dinzy. That was one. And uh, the one that growing up my friends called me was Dang Dang. Dang Dang? <laughs> dang Dang. I, I have no <laughs> idea. <laughs> what up, Dang no Dang? Idea. Yep, exactly. <laughs> yep. So, man, I have no idea how that one came about I, I think if it was one of my best friends his older brother they had a friend that they called him dang dang and they were like yo you look like him and it just kind of stuck so they'd be dang dang and it'd be dang for short yeah so. okay so when it comes to nicknames all right so man when i was in little league i was i, I made it to an all-star team and just to be a dipshit when the news they took the newspaper came and they took our picture and then they said, "Okay, hey, what's your name?" And I instead, my name's Dan Johnson, but I took the N and I turned it sideways and I said, "My name is Daz Johnson," and that's that stuck with me for like damn near 20, 20 years, twenty five years. Oh my god! Until until I kind of got to adulthood and you know, people my my high school buddies still call me call me Daz, but, uh, um, that was, uh, dude, it was, it was so stupid. And, and my, <laughs> my mom was like, no, people aren't going to know it's you because of this and all this. I'm like, Jesus, mom, it's like a, a fifth grade. It was like a fifth grade all-star team. I don't even think I played. <laughs> I, I like that though. Daz fits you though. Yeah. I kind of like that, but dude, it's better than we had a, I had a kid growing up in my town. His nickname even to this day, is booger. <laughs> I guess that would be, I guess it's better than that, or if, you know, for some yeah. reason, someone called you nutsack all the time. Hey, what's yeah, up, nutsack? Yeah. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yeah. Yep. Oh, nicknames are funny. But I will tell you this. I don't, now, I, I, I want to hear your thoughts on this. Mm-hmm. What do you think of people who give themselves their own nickname? Ooh, yeah. I don't. I don't know. That's a. That's that's, that's, that's douchebag. That's like a. Yeah, that's like that. Someone wants to live a whole different lifestyle. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I know a couple guys who have given themselves their own nickname, and I'm. Ju- I just feel. I, I just feel like I can't be friends with them. Does that make sense? I can't be. If you give yourself your own nickname, I can't be friends with you. Yep. That's I feel like so many have dudes have done that when they've gone to college, like, yeah, this is my nickname and it's yeah. totally not. That's just what yeah. they want to be called. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Whatever. Uh, uh, I hope those guys yeah. have fun uh with their hey, lives. Hey hey, it's just as bad as now when I walk in the classroom when I have to know different names for each kid now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm not Johnny today, I'm I'm Rebecca or whatever, you know. Does that does that go down in your in your class? You know, it's not in my classes, but it goes down. It yeah. definitely does. Yep. Yeah, we were at the bus stop. Uh, we were at the bus stop. It was like, oh, man, towards the end of last year. And a kid shows up to the bus stop that I hadn't seen in a while. And I'm like, hey, man, how you know, how's your sister doing? Whatever. Uh, I don't have a sister anymore. I have a brother now. And I'm just like, oh, shit, this is happening. Yeah. And so I said, okay. And then I didn't know what to say after that, so I just turned around and walked away. <laughs> so, <laughs> hey, man, uh, 
I, at, at this point in life, I don't even know what to say about most things anymore. So I just keep my mouth shut and live yep. in my own small world. Yep. Just stay in your lane. That's what I, I told my wife. I said, that's, that's you just stay in your lane and you know, just do you. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Well, dude, uh, so it's new year, right? It's 2023 now. And yep. I have some mixed emotions about hunting right now. Okay. And let me, let me just ask you, how was your 2022 season? And, and we can just even talk about the outdoors in general, turkey hunting or mushroom hunting or whatever it is that you, that you do or fishing throughout an entire Mm -hmm. year. And so how did it go and did it meet up to your original expectations of what you thought 2022 was going to be? Yes and no. I mean, that's actually, I kind of feel the same exact way because, you know, obviously right now when this drops, you know, here in January, it's, it's coming down to the last couple of days in Pennsylvania that you could hunt. And, you know, I usually really like getting out at this time and over Christmas break, you know, being a teacher, I have the days off and, you know, obviously the, the break doesn't, hunting season doesn't start until the day after Christmas. So I had some family obligations, but there were a couple of days that I could have gone out that I just did not kind of have the muster to really want to go out. If that makes sense. I just wanted to be with the family a little bit. Whereas, you know, in other years past, I'd have been like steel later. And, you know, I, this Saturday I plan on doing that, but you know, what, rewinding all the way back, I had pretty high expectations for myself just because things were kind of coming together in the whole scouting and what I was seeing and on trail cameras and, you know, seeing in the, in the stand actually hunting and, you know, uh, but the cool part about that was, is even though it was a good year of seeing deer, but not filling a, a buck tag, I did kill a doe with a rifle during uh, PA rifle season, but, you know, I've saw a lot of people that, you know, kind of guys that I like to follow and have had on our podcast and, you know, guys that are straight up killers, uh, you know, they struggled too this year. And it was, yeah. you know, it's not, I don't want to say it's like heartwarming to see that, but at the same time, it's like, you know, then it's not only you, right. you know, and it's, it's, so it's, it's, uh, it was a really weird, weird year of that because again, I had great expectations going into the actual hunting season and, and as the season played out i mean it was frustrating at times but not too frustrating that i like was so down on myself and was like oh my gosh because you know i stuck to the plan and had really cool encounters i had like last time we talked on the podcast like, those encounters during uh, the rut you know with the pie ball and, the, and another one where a, uh, a trespasser or whatever or a guy in public land was just acting like crazy you know those were you know, would I have loved to have those back? Absolutely. But at the grand scheme of things, you know, I put myself, I think, hopefully in future positions that, you know, I think I could learn from and grow from and become a better hunter for. Yeah, man, I, I will just mirror some of the stuff that you just said, where when it comes to people talking and, and not only people that I know on a personal text message level, where it's one-on-one conversation, just the feel from social media that it was a rut, it was a rough season and rut for just about everybody, and that's consistent because usually what I'll hear is, "Oh man, it was 
crazy or it was good or you know it was it was piss poor or whatever whatever it was and i heard this year more bad things than great rut experiences this year or great season experiences minus my own success that i had this year right. as well so um i i don't know man it was it was a definitely a weird season to to be hunting and and i'll just kind of share my like I look back on this and I'll, I'll tell you this when I was at an all time high, as far as motivation was concerned going into this season on both of my out of state hunts and then coming back to Iowa and I had great deer on camera in Iowa. So I knew I was going to, I felt like if I put myself in the right position, I'm going to have a great hunt in Iowa and I eventually did. And it was awesome. Uh, and I, I'm very, I didn't, it didn't turn out as far as getting the meat off the deer because the coyotes got to it before I did. But that this new farm, putting myself in the right position with everything that I've learned throughout the years of from strat from a strategy and terrain standpoint, put myself in the right position. Boom, you know, got the job yep, done. Yep. But it was where I felt disappointed was in my two out of state hunts, and I felt I felt bad or upset with myself because I did some of the same things that I did the previous year that I said I wasn't going to do again. And so I repeated bad behavior and you know, some of these hunts or drives where you're driving eight hours in a car, you have a lot of time to reflect on what you did. I just was like, I feel like I wasted a lot of time again. And I not only wasted time, maybe driving or changing new spots, or wasting my time in areas where there were no deer of the caliber that I wanted to hunt. I also wasted time in my lack of decision-making, meaning I wasn't confident in the decisions that I was making. And that made me have to change my scheme because of those decisions. Does that make sense? 100%. Yeah. And so I feel like I I definitely learned some good things from my, uh, my out-of-state hunts but i feel like i walked away from there with a failure knowing that hey man next year i just have to hyper focus just because there's twenty-two thousand acres of public doesn't mean you have to hunt twenty-two thousand acres of public does that make sense 100 yeah. percent. so how do you so like how do you like you we tell ourselves that because right. i mean whether you're out you're out of state or you're hunting for us obviously in the whitetail woods I mean, there's things like that that I could think of my, for myself. How do we make that like conscious effort to say, okay, this cannot happen exactly. or these, you know, cause like you said, you, you went into that are like, okay, I'm not going to make those mistakes, but you know, that's a, that's a great conversation to have because we do it all the time. Yeah. It's a, it's a tough conversation to have. Um, it's, it's almost like. I'm trying to compare it to a real life scenario because I don't know, like making a decision on something very important in your life. Like, Hey, do, do I decide, do I want to, uh, ask this girl to marry me or do I want to quit this job and and go pursue something else or whatever that like, it's a big decision. And so the more I have these out of state and this is more of an out of state thing for me, but the, the more I have these out-of-state hunts, I realize that 
there is a huge time and dollar expense into these these hunts and i know you can you can have the arguments well, well it doesn't have to be that way it doesn't but it is right if i'm driving to western south dakota or western nebraska or i'm going to colorado there is time associated with that away from the family and ultimately i want that to be where i get opportunities at, at a deer and some of it's my own fault I'm going to say 99% of it is my own fault, meaning I didn't do the right thing or I didn't put myself in the right position. The deer were there. So how do I, how do you, how do we fix that? And I, I feel like it's almost like you need to sit down and right now, while the wound is still fresh, the, the wound of failure is still fresh. You write down your goals for, if you were to do this hunt again, this is what I need to do different. And you put it on a piece of paper and you stick it on your your computer monitor or your door to your bathroom or on the mirror of your bathroom and you just look at it every single day and it's a reminder yep. to yourself that hey man i messed up and i i can't do these things again and so for, and i'll just use this as an I'll, I'll tell you what i regret the most coming out of my south dakota hunt is i went to a spot that i thought was really secluded it's not as secluded as uh, I thought it was. Roads could go back there. Um, I thought it was going to be a opportunity for me to just hike a straight line and get away from people. The road, there was actually a, a road that you could use that got you back there, and so it wasn't as secluded as I thought. I was okay. I was looking for mule deer. I found whitetails, and so... I started hunting whitetails, but then I started hunting whitetails. I said, well, I didn't come all the way out here to hunt whitetails. I came out here to hunt mule deer. So I spent two days hunting whitetails. And then when I had the opportunity out of what I'm going to say is one of the biggest whitetail bucks that I've ever seen out in South Dakota, I changed my mind and I, I, I walked away from it and I went back to the mule deer woods, you know, the terrain again. And yeah. so I think what I need to do is just say, what are you doing? Like, what is your goal? Is, is your goal to hunt any deer and take any opportunity? Because I've found that out there, it's, you can put yourself in better opportunity for the whitetail world in the whitetail side of things than the mule deer side of things. It's easier to go hunt a whitetail or you can locate them easier. Okay. And then, so from the mule deer side of things, it, it it's a little bit more off road. You got to get back there a little deeper. You know it, it, that's not always the case. This is just from where I've been hunting. It takes a little bit more effort to do that. And so I almost felt like I was taking a, a trying to take the easy way out. And right. I, I I can't do that. And so that's where I I need to say, dude, you came all this way out for white for for mule deer. Go chase mule deer. And so. I feel like if I would have committed to just mule deer and still failed that I would have, I wouldn't have had any regret, but instead I changed, I was changing my mind all the time. And so I don't know. That's, that's where I, what about you? Yeah, I'm, I'm in the same boat. I mean, i as you're saying this, I'm thinking back to like your initial, probably, you know, when you said it's the terrain features, because a couple of years ago we went out to Utah and chasing mule deer it was me and two other buddies. And, uh, like our, we're my co-host with Dimitri and, and Tim, who's been on our podcast a bunch. And we went out there not knowing the terrain features. You look at the map and you're like, okay, like 
you know, let's backpack in and we'll be secluded. And we get there and there's roads everywhere, four, side by sides, four wheelers. And we're like, holy shit, you know, like this is like a kick in the nuts. So we're looking at BLM land and uh, just throw through us a, a big curveball. And, you know, that tr- that kind of really put a damper on on that side of things because it wasn't the hunt that we were anticipating which like you said then you you have to make adjustments quick but then you know what the whole playing the mind game thing is man i i I feel that same way because when i go back to northeastern pennsylvania like i said i live in central when i go back to northeast there's there's areas that i tell myself don't be married to that spot you know and you you get in there and it just seems like every time i have that gut feeling something ends up happening whether you know i should have gone there and i changed my mind and the day that i killed uh even just the the doe you know it's still still tough terrain there's not a lot of deer uh you know population up there and i had a my first target that i was going to go down to i was walking to that area and as I was walking really slow, I, I heard some deer movement close to the two track road and I just stopped. And instead of walking in the, the additional 200 some yards, I just cut left in and I got set up and waited till daylight and about 40 minutes past daylight, some deer came up and got a shot on. And that was like the first time that I finally listened to my gut. Like my yeah. gut said, just go in here, fill a tag when, you know, I, I just think in, in, a couple times during the season, it's I've talked myself out of a situation, and and I need to stop doing that for sure. Yeah, and now on the in the whitetail woods, I've I've be, I feel like I've beat that that questioning yeah. yourself because that was probably one of my biggest flaws from a strategy standpoint uh, as a group, like in the past ten. You know, there from two thousand six until two thousand and sixteen. I, I mentioned this on another podcast that I, I I felt like I didn't know what I was doing, and I was I was second guessing myself all the time. I was talk I, like I would say, "Oh, dude, wind's going to be right for this spot," and as the day would go on, and before I got out into the woods, I was like. Well, this spot's also good for this. And this spot is also, well, geez, but if I go here and I do this, it could affect this. And I'm just like, I start to talk myself out of that. And I've since learned to just go right away, get in the stand. And (laughs) luckily for me, I'm not saying it's the right thing that to do, but luckily for me, it's worked. And so I've been really happy with click it clicking for me and and mm-hmm. the success has been there i just need to do that in different environments now for different species yeah now with how you were saying earlier like having the, that wound open and writing something down like what's what are you writing down like if right now to, to prepare for those situations next year really it's just like i keep i keep going back to what I went on a Nebraska hunt, not this year, but last, not in 2022, but in 2021 with uh, a guy. And his, his saying was, don't leave deer to find deer. And so I feel like I need to go back to areas multiple times. 
instead of mm-hmm. going there, seeing them, and then going somewhere else, right? So I, I, I know there's deer there, but I've just left it to go find more deer, right? So um, I don't know. I, I, I feel like I've... I need to give, I need to put more time or, or maybe this next year, I just need to park it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Park it in one area, just scrub that said area for my allotted time that I have on this hunt and, and find them in, in wherever they're at in there and then go and attack. Or if there's nothing there, then I can say to myself, okay, there's nothing here that I, I can, I can move somewhere else, but I just don't feel like I'm giving myself the proper time. Okay. So like the one thing, cause currently right now, how we, we've talked to a bunch of different hunters, very successful hunters, especially that are going out of state and stuff. And, you know, I've the topic of scouting more and hunting less, like that's been right. a huge thing. Is that, is that something that you've also have been doing as well? Like on these trips? Well, it this is where it gets kind of difficult i think that this scout more hunt less Mm -hmm. mentality is great for the eastern whitetail woods but when you get out west and you have more of an open terrain i mean for me it's fine getting high and glassing so if if you want to consider that scouting then yes i'm scouting but so what i do is i will uh you know, get to the a high vantage point in the morning, set up, start glassing, and then locate the deer. And then as soon as I locate them, I get closer to them. I go and try to try to find them or maybe wait for them to bed and then go into a cut and see where, you know, see where they're going. And yep. so um, if that's the scout, if that counts, if, if glassing equals scouting, then yes, I feel like I'm doing the right thing. It's just when I, this year for, for mule deer, when I was out there, I was, I was glassing and I couldn't, I'd, I'd locate them, but then they'd go into a different cut. I'd try to locate them again and I couldn't locate them. And so mm-hmm. they're in there somewhere and maybe I gave up too early or, or too soon. Um, so I don't know. It, it was, it's just, uh, it's, it's, and some of this stuff you just have to straight up learn from through failure. And so that's why I think that I need to park it and just locate where the deer are at and scrub these areas. Yeah. Yeah. So is that like a year to year? That's an easy over the counter tag for you that you're able to, like you said, now scrub that area, you know, hunker down and just really get a chance to know that. Because I know like Dimitri, like here in the whitetail woods, like he's, he's like on year, I mean, he's hunted this, like kind of this general vicinity his whole life, but he's now after learning so much more and, and seeing how the deer are using the terrain, like I know he's, he said like this year, he, you know, he basically called his shot. He was like November 12th. I just have a really good feeling. I had a couple of good encounters like a week ago prior to that time frame. Like he just knows that area like the back of his hand yeah. and to do that for, for an out of state hunt, that's, that's challenging. Cause like you said, you're traveling and it's the expense and it's being away, but you know, if that's something that a goal of yours, it's, you know, I don't, I don't see, I, that's a, the only way to do it. Yeah. Yeah. You're a hundred percent right. I, I, 
I feel like you, you need to learn the area, learn the environment, learn what the deer are doing. I mean, I, I, I talked with this guy uh, a while ago, and his name is Marlon Holden. And Marlon is, in my opinion, one of the best public land mule deer hunters, period, like in the world, right? So mm-hmm. this guy, not only, but he, he knows everything about the terrain that he hunts. He knows the rain, uh, the, the amount of rain, and that rain causes certain plants to grow or lack of certain plants. And so if there's, I don't know, less than this much rain, then he knows, hey, I don't even need to go into this area because I know that that plant didn't grow and that the mule deer won't be there. And so that's how detailed he gets into that. True. Yeah, right? So so he can look at a map or a rain gauge in some of these or you know, wind directions or snowfalls. And, and, and he's been in that environment so much throughout the years that he can say, okay, well, I know all these things. I know where the deer are going to be. And he goes in and he finds them. And he usually, he kills them. I mean, now he's to the point where he's only looking for something really big. So he doesn't kill as many deer as what he, he used to, but, mm-hmm. but the dude's a slayer. The dude goes out and he gets the job done. He's probably right now. He's probably in Arizona chasing mule deer in the desert. So, so, you know, with that said, this guy takes it to another level for me. I I'm not even close to that yet, but I feel right. like maybe there's some things that I can do to get a little closer. Yeah. Well, that's, that's, that's all good stuff because, you know, uh, for this week's podcast, like even Dimitri, we had, uh, he and his friend Ian that he grew up with, they went out to Ohio for their first Ohio whitetail trip. And they were out there, they did a a scouting trip in the summer. And, you know, I asked them during it, I said, you know, how, how did it look then compared to the end of October, early November? And they're like, it looked totally different, you know? And so they kind of ran through that and scouted and, did cameras check cameras i don't think they had any cell cameras out there but they not luckily nothing was stolen for them and they were able to to check some cameras and stuff and the first deer they both saw which was i think like day four of or day three of of five days like hunting and were two spikes uh each one was a spike and and dimitri saw a spike and they both shot it because they're like we came to fill a tag on a whitetail and that was the first deer that they saw on stand so yeah uh but it like like you were saying though like getting to know the area and you know we think here in pennsylvania like oh ohio is not that much different like we have mountains but you know for their hill country for where they were like you know we live in a, a the mountainous part of central pa and dimitri and and Ian both said they're like man that was some terrain features that kicked our butt and yeah. You know, getting to know that and, and see how deer move, it, it's a challenge. And that's why I think a lot of people are so drawn to out-of-state hunts is because of that challenge, too. Yeah, the challenge is definitely there, right? Especially if it's your first, oh, man, I've been coming to South Dakota now for four years. And all three of the, all four of those years, I feel like, I feel like I'm getting closer every year. Mm-hmm. But... I feel like you need that many years to to understand the the new terrain or the new environment unless you're going to a similar species in a similar terrain feature, right? Like in, instead right. of me going to western Nebraska, I decided, "Hey, I want to go to northern Missouri 
and try to locate a whitetail in northern Missouri. I feel like I would have a better chance of doing that, not necessarily the caliber of deer that there are in Iowa, but just a, a whitetail buck, let's say, any whitetail buck. I feel like I could go and do that in northern Missouri uh, in a similar terrain that I'm hunting in southern Iowa or, or western Illinois or... I don't know, maybe even southern Wisconsin or so, something like that, right? Same terrain feature, same same species. I would have a better yep. better sh- shot, in my opinion, than going to hunt elk in twelve at twelve thousand feet. You know what I mean? Yep, yep. So yeah, I yeah. The mule deer, man. The mule deer bug is is a great bug to have because only I've only chased them once, and I definitely. I mean, I I never hunted elk. I haven't gone out west to do an elk hunt. I would love to, but. After going after mule deer once and being drawn back on one, I mean, I don't know. They're they're a fun species to go after, and I would definitely would would be game to 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 go after a mule deer again for sure. Yeah, let me. T- you're a teacher, right? Yep. Right. Yep. Okay. So, dude, you have all summer. You have all summer off for the most part, unless you pick up another job. But teachers have the summer off. I know some mm-hmm. very serious, serious, uh, they're educators, uh, they're hardcore guys, uh, they're, you know, they, but they have lack of time to hunt. Like it, you're, you're very passionate about hunting. I know this cause you have a hunting podcast, but like, have you ever thought about a career change that would allow you more time to go invest in the passion of hunting? Oh, 100 <laughs> percent. Um, I mean, I, w- I would love to just I mean, years ago, I mean, growing up, I I've always loved hunting. I mean, that's always been a, a passion of mine. It's something I always look forward to doing with my father growing up. And, you know, when I went to college and and I, I played club baseball at Penn State and stuff and, you know, time I didn't have all the time in the world. So it was, it was our rifle season, right? So bow hunting kind of took the, the back seat. but then, you know, once graduation hit and I was able to get on my feet and I was still, I was dating my wife now, you know, I just said to her like her, luckily her family, I wish were bigger uh, into hunting. were more involved with it, but you know, they're, they know because their parents, uh, did it and everything like that. So they, they understand the passion I have for it, but life slowed down a little bit. And that's what got me back into it, uh, by a thousand percent more. And, uh, it's something, it's something for sure, because in the summer, don't get me wrong. Like I go scouting a ton and this spring is the first spring in 10 years that I'll have, uh, open because I resigned as our varsity baseball coach. So man, I plan on really hitting the, the scouting woods and fishing more and, and uh, just, you know, taking hopefully Antler up to the, and being a little bit more involved with that and helping out with the Sportsman's Empire. And, you know, I, it's something that I really would like to, if a right opportunity presented itself with. Um, but yeah, because I look at like an individual, like, so one person that I look up to and I've had a chance to meet him and have conversations with him is, is Andy May. Uh, and, you know, I to, to do the things he does, you know, I just – I, I shake my head because I'm like, man, I, he's a, just a straight killer. And I think we all know that, but at the same time, uh, as being another, as it being in the education field and knowing what he does day in and day out and how he finds time to go out and glass and do things like that. It just, 
it just amazes me. And, and uh, he's definitely an individual for myself, like I said, that I look up to in, in, in the hunting industry. Yeah, that dude definitely kills. But I think one th- <laughs> one thing that makes him great at what he does is the ability to gather and absorb information. And yeah. I mean that from from reading a a map or topo lines to understanding wind and thermals and and being able to almost you know in the have you seen the movie The Matrix with Keanu Reeves? <laughs> yep. Right? So he no longer sees it like we see the world. He sees it in code, right? Yep. So some guys are able to look <laughs> at hunting like that. And those guys who can do that, in my opinion, are the straight slayers. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. yeah. And like I said, he, you know, when I've, when I've listened to him on, you know, just on any podcast and just hearing like having a chance, like I said, to have a conversation with them. And it's, uh, it's fascinating to see just because he, he maps out his, his days off to kind of the same way that I do. And I've kind of used his formula a little bit of, you know, where could I get an extra day in here and there? Because, you know, unfortunately, because of what we do, like my dad, he takes off two full weeks. Like I don't have that capability. You know, I'm only allowed a certain amount of consecutive days and then it, you know, throws up a red flag. Now there's no substitute teachers in this day and age. And, you know, so then it's like, I don't want my colleagues, uh, you know, I'm also giving them a hard break because I'm out X, X amount of days. So yeah, Dan, it's something that I would, I would love, <laughs> love to be able to do one day. Yeah. Well, let's see here. Um, speaking of, you know, all these, all, you know, the stuff that we've had and talking about how, you know, how much we want to spend maybe more time hunting or, or things like this. I'm in a weird spot right now. I am in a activity mode for my family, right? So yep. my, both my boys are getting into wrestling. My oldest, my, my youngest boy is too young to no, like form an opinion about it, but he likes going to the practices and things like that. My daughter's into dance. My daughter tonight is starting her first wrestling practice. And so Sweet. Uh, my son's in, in basketball and baseball right now. So like sports. And so my daughter's in, in dance. And, and so like, I really am. I, and I'm sure this comes with ebbs and flows and everything like this in life, but I find myself, still having some kind of passion for the outdoors and hunting, but I don't care if I miss it anymore. Like I don't, mm-hmm. care, I don't care if I, this, this next, this next fall, uh, I'm pretty sure I'm going to go on less out of state hunts and I'm, I, I'm not butthurt about it because I know that instead I'm going to be doing something that I really, really love to do. And that's going to my kids' baseball games or my their dance recitals or things like that, and I I I don't know if I'm if I would say I'm losing losing it. It's just changed a little bit for me. Like when I was out in South Dakota and Nebraska, don't get me wrong, I had a ton of fun, and maybe my thoughts will change on this the closer I get to those seasons. But I am like. I don't care if I don't go this year from at this, yeah. at this point, do you ever have like these, eh, if I miss it, if I miss it, I miss it type deal. 
Yeah, I, I do. And, I, and my thing is like kind of the same thing. Like my daughter, she'll be nine this upcoming March. And, you know, she tries everything. Like our goal is to, you know, as, as a parent is try to expose her to as, as much, you know, different curricular activities to find what she likes. So, you know, she's doing basketball right now. She did softball for like the last like three summers and this summer she doesn't want to. So I'm yeah. like, okay, that's, that's fine. You, uh, the, like I said, doing basketball now, she does dance, she plays guitar and, you know, she's, she did a, a play and I actually, I did miss her play this last, this past summer because I was in Montana with, with Tether doing a, uh, the total archery challenge. And, you know, Tether was like, Hey, what are your dates you're available? And I gave them to him. And, and my daughter at the end of school was like, Hey, I want to do this play. She tried out, she got a part and when is it? Oh, we don't know yet. And then I, as a July's hit, I'm like, man, I guarantee you it's going to be when I'm in Montana and lo and behold, there it was. Yeah. And you know, I, I felt bad, but at the same time, like you said, I, for me, you know, I, I felt bad, but at the same time I was able to see her practice round for it. I was able to, you know, FaceTime when I could with her during it and, and like with my wife and afterwards you know, but I, like you said, it's, it's not that you're losing it. It's just your priorities change. And like, for me now, like this year, you know, I made sure a certain day in October, like, Hey, let's go hunting together. Or, Hey, I'm okay with missing this morning hunt because it's October, whatever, 10th. Like I'll, I'll have another, I'll, I'd rather a morning in, in November than that day, you know, and it's okay to miss those opportunities to be with your family. Kind of like a, what I said, even right now, like this late season, I've always looked forward to that because I've, I've, the deer are herded up. I could see a lot of deer when I'm in the tree and have a good opportunity to fill more tags and put more meat in the freezer, all that stuff. But, you know, my daughter and I were, and my, my wife, we were doing other things and, yeah. you know, at, that's how life is man yeah yeah i'll tell you this though i I found it um when you have a property and i'm talking late season hunting at this point when you have a property that allows you to late season hunt because all the farms that i've had access to in the past have been very poor i mean like if you're going to rate it between one and ten it would be a one or a two like as far as mm-hmm. holding deer after the shotgun seasons here in Iowa. And so now that I have access to this new property that I picked up that I got permission to dude, I, it, it hunting in the late season can actually be really fun if you can locate the deer. And I yeah. did, unfortunately the last day of the hunt, when I made a big move to kind of cut off where they were coming at uh, <laughs> a German shepherd, cleared out the whole the whole woods i mean my trail cameras shut off my i mean my cell cams didn't even go off uh, i saw the one doe running right towards me and i'm like okay i'm gonna get a shot opportunity here and then the dog was running right behind her and so this <laughs> this dog was chasing and then it took multiple days for the deer to even rebound back into this area and so it sucks it sucked but it, I, it, it kind of this late season hunt. I'm, I'm probably gonna maybe do one less September hunt, and one more December hunt, uh, to yeah. to try to get fill my late season tag here in uh, in Iowa. Because I mean, I've had the opportunity to get that tag forever now. I just I've never used it. 
And so it, it was really fun this year to go out and, and, awesome. and do that. And so I got excited about it, and I'm still excited about it, and I want to do it again next year. That's awesome. Yeah, because yeah. like right now for us, like where I hunt, the property doesn't necessarily hold have any food on it, but there's great cover, and it's like a great uh, spot where these deer – I'll watch them feed like kind of on a neighboring property and they'll just funnel through and come up on in. And I just kind of get into that real thick, nasty shot. Now I don't have a lot of shot opportunities, but they'll, if they come on two specific trails, I'm going to have a pretty decent opportunity if they take that route. So yeah. that's what I really like. And, you know, you hear people say, find the food and do this. You know, if I'm talking public land where I normally hunt here in central PA, I mean, finding the food is, is, you know, scarce. Like that's hard to do. Uh, so it's, it's mainly find that cover. And I actually listened to a recent podcast with Tony Peterson. He even said like, that's kind of what on public land he focuses, uh, focuses on. And that's kind of, I was like, all right, well, cool. At least, you know, at least someone else kind of has the same thought process that I do of finding that like thick bedding cover and that just nasty briar stuff and, and get in on there. And, you know, I've noticed too, I don't know what it's like out in Iowa, but a lot of the uh, bigger rack deer that I've had on camera, they've either, they've gone a little either uh, camera shy or already have lost their, their horns. And a lot of younger deer are still holding here. Yeah. I, it's a mix. I, I have multiple friends who have sent me text messages of deer that they've killed and the antlers have popped off when they go to pick the head up or trail camera pictures. And dude, I got my first shed buck and it was like the 23rd of December and this buck yeah. was already shed. And so it's happening right now. I mean, that's just part of the whole cycle, but um, yeah, I, I don't know. It's uh, it just tells me, Hey, it's time to start shed hunting here pretty soon. <laughs> right now, do you take your kids out doing that? Oh, dude, yes. I'm going to do that a ton this year because I think it's just an awesome opportunity for kids to get outside uh, if it's not so yep. muddy or if it's not so, you know, wet or, or windy or rainy. But I definitely want to take my kids shed hunting this year um, because I think the farm that I the new farm that I have is is number one it's holding deer right now and number two it should make because after the season's over um, I'm gonna go to the ATA show and then I'm gonna come by by the time I get back the season will be over and I'm gonna buy like 2,000 pounds of corn and I'm gonna go out <laughs> and I'm gonna dump corn all over this property in hopes that it holds the deer and it gets them the opportunity to shed on on this farm which means that i'll have the ability to take my kids shed hunting there and yeah dude i don't care who finds the sheds if i find zero and they find them all that's that's all i want i just want them to find yeah. some antlers and get them outside and get them excited and then show them the story so hey dude check this antler that you found now look at this buck look at it. it's the same buck it's just older now you have this you have this deer's antler and so, yep. and so I think that would be a lot of fun to, uh, to go do. And I, I'm really looking forward to that. Yeah. Do, that's, do you take that's your like kids out? With, yeah. So like, I'll take my daughter, you know, I'll take, we'll, we go fishing a little bit on the weekends and this year, um, we'll be her, uh, hopefully we, we could get her her first Turkey. One of my good buddies, he, he run he owns like a little, 
uh, a turkey call company here in Pennsylvania. He's he's a police a police officer and everything. Really good dude, and he he has two daughters around the same age as mine, and they've gone to a turkey the last couple of years and some whitetails as well. And so I I said to him, I was like, hey man, I'm like, don't worry about me, but I'm like, let me know when when you're taking your daughters out. I would love to meet up and and take my daughter with with them as well and just kind of have like a cool dad and daughters hunt day basically and let the let the girls fire away and hopefully get some some cool turkey hunts because i mean i i I like going out turkey hunting i I want i'm not one of those person individuals that loves it i guess you could say i'm i'm mainly scouting for whitetails uh that's what i like to do mainly is just to be out in the woods i'll hunt the first couple hours during the turkey season but then it's like you know here in pennsylvania your first couple weeks you can only hunt till noon anyway so then it's like all right let's scout the rest of the day basically yeah yep agree agree uh yeah so definitely spending time with my kids and as soon as school ends this uh this year i I didn't i don't want to get i i told him i was going to get it for him for christmas but i kind of i uh reneged on the (laughs) the whole or uh you know back decided not to do it whatever the term is there um because i feel i feel they would grow too fast so i'm gonna buy them bows this summer and so what i what i'm hoping is when number one it will motivate me to go shoot my bow more but i want to i want to get my kids into archery and i think that i think they'll they'll take a liking to it and so i'm gonna buy I'm going to buy some bows for my kids and have them each have their own one that they take care of with their own arrows and practice with me. Uh, and I feel like if they're, if they're involved with what I'm doing and then I can be involved with what they're doing, they'll, they'll really, they'll get a kick out of that. And that's, that's the goal. That's my goal. Yep. And that's what my daughter has, has loved doing that with me. I mean, she's, she's gone to like a local 3d shoe with me and, you know, she only shoots at half the targets because she's, you know, playing in the mud or whatever. And and then we'll shoot the target. And you know, obviously we move her close, but she loves it. And like I, I mentioned earlier, my friend Ian, who was with uh, Dimitri on on that Ohio hunt. I mean, his son, he's the same age as my daughter, and he's actually gone hunting this year. He's killed uh, a whitetail already, but same thing. Loves going to archery hunting. Loves doing like the 3D stuff with it with us when we take them and. Uh, I just think it, like you said, it's just great to introduce the kids because, you know, a lot of these school programs too offer archery in school. Like even my school, we do it up into high school, which is awesome. And I love, I geek out over, over that unit, like a hundred percent. I actually, I actually ask uh, my administrators if I could bring my bow in and they allow me as long as I don't bring broadhead. So it's cool. And I just, man, I, it's something I love to so passionate about archery and I just geek out over over the gear and all the new yeah. stuff when it comes out. And so, yeah, it's, it's great to get the kids involved with it. Yeah. Okay. And, and so the last thing I kind of want to BS about here is something that is more, eh, um, how do I put this? It doesn't, it matters, but it doesn't matter. Like to me, it's social media. It, it, it revolves around social media and maybe even some YouTube type type content that's been that that I I see out there Mm -hmm. and I am starting to see more and more every month throughout these years of this deer hunting content 
and I wish I could, I wish I had a, a really hammer to the nail example that I could share, but just the theme of hunting, especially deer hunting, maybe even bow hunting, the content that I'm seeing and some of the content that's put out even on YouTube and social media, I just am not in line with it and I don't like it. And so it, it really, it, it, it makes me like what I'm doing on in, in, because I have to have social media for my business to be successful it, period. That's just, if you don't have social media in this day and age, you're not promoting your business enough and you're not generating the, you're not generating revenue to make it a profitable business. Okay. Period. You need, you need that stuff. I understand that. And that's why I do it. And so, but when I start to see some of this stuff, I do not like what I'm seeing. I don't like what I'm hearing. I don't like the direction that hunting as a big game hunting as a whole is going. And it makes me like what I'm doing less. Like to the point where I'm I'm not going to say I don't want to do it anymore because I do want to do it and I still love doing what I'm doing. But I just, I, there's some times where I'm, I, I just feel, it just feels off now. And so I, and I wish I had a better explanation. This is like the first time I've ever said it out loud to anybody. And obviously all the listeners are hearing this too, but I just feel like there is a lack of, I don't know if the right word is the word is purity or a lack of like when you really care about something, like it's not there. People are using, using it for a a look at me. Hey, look at me type instead of saying, dude, deer hunting is awesome. Does that make sense? Right. 100%. And I think you're, you're spot on because I feel the same way. And like I said, you know, I'm, I'm 35 years old and I, I wouldn't, I, I actually right now in my health class, I'm teaching media and consumerism. So we, social media is a, a thing. And I even said that to my class today, I'm like, listen, I don't even know if I would have it if I did not run Antler up right now, you know? Right. And, and it's, you know, and I, and I don't even think I do that great of a job to begin with because one, I don't know how to do all these funky TikTok, you know, videos and all that stuff. And two, yeah. I don't, I mean, I guess I have the time, but I'd rather designate my time somewhere else than sending up my phone or my camera and editing and doing all that stuff just for that. But then the other, but the other thing is with the ebbs and flow of it, I think a lot of people, and I would say with like, when I say a lot of people and I can be totally off on this, but you know, three years ago when I started Antler Up, you know, I think you know, you saw a little bit of that with how people would come out and say weird things. And, you know, like you said, things that you may not like, and then people kind of could see right through that. Right. Like I, like now I feel like you, myself, like, and other people could see through certain aspects, but if someone new to say hunting, new to, uh, archery, all that stuff, like they, that might take them a little bit of time to see through, that of like how you said like hey look at me like hey look i'm shooting this fancy brand new pse matthews whatever bow and i'm wearing all this great camo whatever um but i think you know for the most part 
a lot of people could see through it, but yeah, it's, it's, I don't know, man, it's, it's a weird thing. Like I remember, like, I don't even post that much on my, on our own page now, other than maybe just antler up stuff, yeah. you know, other than, Hey, like, like tomorrow we have this podcast coming. Hey, here's the podcast today and go check it out. Like that, other than that, like what else, I, unless I have something that would be really cool to share with the people, you know, with the, with our followers and listeners, all that stuff. But yeah, man, it's, it is, it's, I, I mean, it's, it's a weird, weird thing for sure. Yeah. Uh, and it comes down to this. People will be like, well, that's just the way it's going to be now. Well, I don't know if yeah. that's necessarily the way to look at it. Yeah. I, I just, everything that I know about, hunting in the industry and like even getting access i don't understand i don't think people understand and i maybe i've have not done a good job of expressing this in the podcast or on social but this farm that i got access to all right i am very lucky that i have permission to hunt this farm because two things could have could easily happen and the only reason it's not happening is because the current owner is very wealthy he does not need money he's keeping this property because it's been in his family for a hundred years and so that's why he's keeping it he could if he was interested in money he could have leased it out for a profit he could have uh, outfitted it he could have done all these things to it but he doesn't care about that and so I got connected with him and this guy said, yeah, man, nobody hunts it. You go ahead and hunt it. This property is in a three in one. uh, There's three counties in Iowa that I would call, you know, Southern Iowa is the Mecca for deer hunting, but inside of that Mecca, there's three counties and this farm is dead center in one of them. And so I just, Dude, I got very lucky with with this with this farm, and now that I'm in this area and seeing and knowing, uh, and and learning about all the other hunting properties and how leasing works and and the real estate side of recreational you know deer hunting ground and things like that, it's just not attractive. It, 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 right. It's, I feel like it is a bad thing for hunting and we are coming to a point where it's not going to be a, Hey man, like everybody is talking about recruitment. Hey, let's have all this recruitment. But if it costs a ton of money to access ground, people aren't going to, to do this. So we say we need more people in hunting so we can vote and have more votes towards hunting, but the industry, let's not necessarily the product side of things, but the the access to ground is limiting that, right? So it's good. Yep. It is this pay to play, high dollar. You know, yes, you could go say, hey, well, you have all this public to hunt. Well, Iowa, Kansas, those are two examples of states that have little to no public ground. I think there's in the in the county that I was raised in, growing up. There's a hundred acres in the entire county that is public Ooh. ground. Maybe a little bit more, maybe two hundred. But that's not a lot. Jeez. I mean, that's not no. a lot, right? And so, right, you in certain states, in certain areas, you rely on 
people who own property to hunt it. And with this high dollar thing, like I, I'm starting to learn about all this and, and really see it with my own eyes. And it's not good. In my opinion, it's not good for hunting. And everybody wants the big antlers. And how do you get big antlers? And I hate to say this because it goes, it almost goes against some of what I've said about hunting strategy. And, you know, hey, if you hunt real hard, you can do this. But you know what else you can do if you want a big deer? You can take money and you can throw it at it. You can, if you want to shoot a bigger deer and you have money, you can shoot bigger deer. If you, if you don't own any, let's say you have a bank account and in that bank you have a lot of money or any money, you can go to a property. If it's big enough, you can manage it. And if you manage it right and it's in, a, in another neighborhood where it's other people are manage it, you can spend the money on the diesel fuel to create bedding and habitat and plant food plots. And yes, you can even do it the hard way, but it still takes money. And money can, money can get you bigger bucks. 100%. I, I, I don't care what you, there's going to be people that will disagree with me, but even knowing nothing about habitat improvement, if I bought a farm and I started hunting it and I started shoot, like managing it just from the, Hey, don't shoot three-year-olds next year. I'll have a bigger buck. And I'm not saying that that example is uh you can you can reflect that or you can uh, implement that in michigan as well as you know you're not going to get a boone and crocker if you pass a three-year-old in michigan you know i'm not saying i'm not saying i'm saying in whatever environment you're in if you want to shoot a bigger deer you can throw money at it and you'll shoot a bigger antler deer I, I, I just feel that way. And so I'm seeing it done. I'm watching all this go down and I don't necessarily know if I like it. Um, and no, I agree with, I, I agree with you a hundred percent, man. It's, it's, it's even, it's a topic even that me and my friends have had recently. Uh, just, you know, it's nuts. It you're, you're dead on though with it. Yeah. And so, but here I am in some, in some way I'm a hypocrite because I feel like I'm, I'm passing deer. Maybe it's because of the opportunity that I have in the state that I have, but at the same time, you know, like, I don't know. I, I, I don't, I don't know. It's, it's, it's a very, it's almost like an idea that I haven't fully formed yet. Right. Does that make sense? Well, I, I, yeah, 100%. And I, I'm a big believer too, like with, you could only hunt what you're, what's there. You know what I mean? Like, like if you are out scouting and, and you have only seen, you know, really nice eight pointers and all that type of stuff, like then, you know, that's your tag, do what you want with it. You know, and if it says, I I mean, I don't know, that's, that's how I kind of grew up in my philosophy. And like I told you last time we talked like, man, I'm, I'm in the business to, to hunt deer. And when, when that time comes where I felt like I, I feel, you know, very comfortable with, passing a specific size deer and wanting to something bigger like i'll be excited for that challenge but until then like you know it, it is what it is and uh but yeah it's it's it is something to see though because like i said there's been a lot of people here this past year in pennsylvania that shot really nice big deer and it's funny to hear like i don't care if you shoot it on public private or whatever as long as it's legal yeah right right um but it, it's it's interesting to see how many were private and it's you know, again, I don't care. That's awesome. More power to them. That private has their own challenges. I hunt private. And, you know, yes, it's a mountain and it has 
challenges on its own. But I, like you said, though, if you're able to have money and, and do that type of stuff, it's, it's very capable to shoot a really nice big deer. Yeah. Yeah. I just, I don't know. I, I went through and I got, I feel like a broken record at some points because I've said this so many times on this podcast and that's something else that I want to touch base on. But for me, hunting means something different because it changed my life, mm-hmm. right? It didn't, it's not about, it was never about big deer. It was about removing myself from a negative thing and putting a positive thing in its place. And, and hunt bow hunting specifically was that positive. It is still that positive thing. And so I just wish more people could experience it like I experienced it. Right. Right. Uh, and so, uh, it, it, to me, it wasn't just a hobby or just an, an uh, another activity to do, or it wasn't just a big buck to chase. It was something that really did change who I am and how I act. And so, uh, I don't know. And so the other thing that, from a podcast standpoint is I, I love, I love doing what I'm doing and I'm going to keep doing what I'm doing, but there, there comes a point where I've talked I've done this podcast since 2014, right? That's eight years I've done the Nine Finger Chronicles podcast. And I've talked about just about everything about deer hunting. And I know there's new stories, but the principles are all kind of the same, right? Yep. I, I just like I'm I feel like I'm repeating myself a lot. And if you're repeating yourself a lot, that means you don't have anything new to say or interesting to say. That from that's just the way I kind of look at it. And so I don't like to repeat myself. I don't like to be a broken record. I, I want there to be new and engaging and insightful things. And, and I feel like not only my podcast is doing it, but every podcast is doing it. And so um, I'm going to be, I'm going to really be focusing on 2023 to get that energy back and get fired up again about you know, find ways to take, make old topics new again, or find ways to, I don't know. You've been doing it for a while too. I'm sure you've like had at some point, some kind of repeat content. Oh yeah. Uh, 100%. And that's kind of like what you said. It's either, how could you make it tailored to maybe, you know, like maybe that's the one episode where someone out in Iowa won't like my episode because it's, gearing towards mountain bucks whatever you know like that topic of mountain bucks but you know it's like you said it's it's to have that drive and i'll tell you what though like the conversation we just had where we just kind of fired from the hip yeah those are they're mainly what dimitri and i really do i mean there there might be a topic at hand we talk about it but it's it's just hey uh we're going to talk about out-of-state hunting okay like there's no specific piece it's just wherever the conversation goes and i don't know i i I feel like they're the episodes one i listen to a little bit more and you know kind of like especially now because like you said like now the season's over you're you're not looking at the specific you know uh scrape hunting topics right now and uh or early season episodes all that stuff so you know what what what's good to go after now and i've been there and you know, like I said, for coming up to three years for the podcast, it's, you know, like, oh man, is it even, do people even like it? You know? And, yeah. and it's like, you get that, that one message from someone that just said, Hey man, that I really enjoyed that episode like a lot. And then that's like that motivation just goes, you know, to a whole next right. level again, right. you know? Absolutely. And I love getting those messages, man. 
Well, one hour and four minutes, uh, almost five minutes here has gone by. And so I know you're on a limited lunch break right now, and I'll let you get back to shaping and molding the youth <laughs> for our for the future of America. Uh, Jeremy, man, I really appreciate appreciate not only you taking time out of your day to hop on and, and BS with me for a little bit, but uh, all the work you do with Antler Up for the network. And uh, I'm looking forward to 2023, man. Same here, Dan. Thank you so, so much. I really appreciate it. Happy New Year to you and your family, buddy. And there you have it. That brings us to an end of episode number one of 2023. Man, I'm telling you, I'm sending good vibes. I'm sending the biggest good vibes for your 2023. Man, I, I hope everybody finds success. I hope everybody works hard. I hope everybody finds happiness and love uh, and all that hippie shit because, uh, man, that's what life is all about. And uh, I am excited to keep doing what I'm doing. I'm excited for you guys to listen. I'm excited for you guys to become more involved. And so uh, here's to 2023.